Hello and welcome to the PyBytes podcast, where we talk about Python, career, and mindset. We're your hosts. I'm Julian Sequeira. And I am Bob Beldebos. If you're looking to improve your Python, your career, and learn the mindset for success, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Welcome back to PyBytes YouTube, and today a very special podcast episode with Antonio Malay. The Django four by example guy and good friend. Uh, so he's back to talk about 10 Django plugins. A pretty concise episode that doesn't take longer than 25 minutes and you can expect a lot of value. And we actually did it together here at the beach. So that was uh, just extraordinary. But at one penalty hit uh, that the audio is not 100% great. So if you listen to this in your earbuds and when walking around, um, maybe switch over to YouTube See us there on the beach talking together, and hopefully that makes up for a little bit loss of the sounds because we were in a cafeteria, so there was, of course, some background noise. We did have the microphone. You don't see it on the screen, but we had that plugged in <laughs> above our heads. So that's just a warning up front. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, Antonio, as always, provides great value. It was awesome to have him back and uh, learn from one of the Django experts and really nice guy. All right, enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the PyBytes podcast. I'm here with Antonio Menez. He's back. It was, uh, <laughs> I'm back. I was here, uh, episode 89 of PyBytes podcast. And of course, we had him, uh, get him back and here in real person at some exotic beach in Spain. In person this time. Yeah. Yeah. So post pandemic, we can meet again and, uh, we decided to do, uh, yeah, have a bit of setting here. It's really nice. Uh, Much yeah. better than uh, yeah, cool. It's awesome, right? <laughs> Working remotely. Uh, Django developer. Right? <laughs> so Django developer life. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to talk Django, of course, because uh, if you don't know Antonio Malay, the author of uh, Django by example, one, two, three, four, maybe five soon. <laughs> and um, so last episode, we already dove into his career and what he does. So um, I'll refer back to 89. This episode, I think we're uh, just going to keep it quite technical, right? We're going to talk Django plugins. And I think that's it, right? So that's it. Short uh, yeah. technical episode. And, uh, it goes through some uh, different Django plugins that uh, well, I use usually use in my developments. And hopefully, hopefully those are also useful for, for you guys. Yeah. Well, maybe before we uh, kick it off, you want to share any win or something cool you're working on? Uh, well, I'm now preparing the outline for Django 5, by example. So hopefully uh, that comes out uh, when Django 5 is released. Uh, but well, there's still some work to, to update the, the book uh, for the edition. But... I'm very positive about it. Yeah, kudos, man. Like that book, you keep it like super up to date. And uh, in the January release cycle, it seems like it's going faster every time. It's going time, faster right? and faster. So it, yeah. it goes more challenging to update yeah. the book as fast uh, as. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, it's really, uh, well, I've, I've spoken up about the book. It's, uh, get it. It's it's super practical. Like we uh, like at PyBytes, project-based. And uh, you'll learn a lot. So yeah, let's, let's dive in. So we have 10 plugins today. Um, so your favorites, and uh, let's dive straight in, right? So, uh, number one, numero uno, number one is 
Tipuk toolbar. <laughs> difficult to configure. Every <laughs> no, it's, it's easy to configure, but uh, almost uh, everybody ran into some problems with the statics or with uh, with something in order to show the toolbar. But uh, still, it's, it's really useful tool to debug Django, and especially when you are debugging uh, SQL uh, queries uh, from your views, but as well in your templates, because sometimes you, you start accessing related objects and templates and you don't realize uh, that you get with the uh, N plus one problem. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it's really useful to debug SQL, uh, but as well, um, it gives information about the CPU load and um, templates used during uh, the rendering and uh, the signals that have been triggered. So that's really, really useful. Yeah, it's a must-have for any Django developer, right? Uh, Definitely. Especially for the SQL queries. And I think around this episode, I will actually uh, do a little demo on YouTube on the M plus one problem, what it means and how to solve it and, and hence how you can debug it with the toolbar. Maybe also a video on how to install the toolbar because it's pretty meta, right? Like 10 minutes ago, we were actually debugging the debug toolbar. Exactly. That's the first step, <laughs> debugging the debug toolbar. That's not very obvious. Yeah. But yeah, must have no, no discussion about it, I think. So uh, yeah, you want to move on to Definitely. number two? Number two is uh, REST framework. I think, uh, well, nowadays everybody uses, uh, builds REST APIs, uh, has to build any kind of, yeah. Uh, JSON-based uh, API uh, for developments. And it's a really useful tool because you can um, basically um, create REST endpoints uh, around your models. And uh, it gives you everything you need from serializers, validators. Uh, you can also nest related objects. Uh, it gives you functionality uh, for authentication, permissions, everything you need. So basically, you you can very quickly end up with a restroom API and also implement any custom API methods that you might need. Uh, really, really useful. Plus, you get also things like uh, catching and uh, even throttling, which I think it's also very useful to protect APIs against attacks. So you can also set up uh, your API throttling um, and thresholds very easily. Yeah. And number. But uh, yeah, no, and, and I think when you go Django, right, like fast API for people who are um, fast API is the big API framework right now, right? But if you have to use Django, then um, yeah, it's probably go better to go with Django REST. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would go for fast API if you're building. Uh, something very API oriented, and you want to be very fast. But if you can, if you want as well to uh, take advantage of the other functionality that, that Django provides you with, then REST framework is is the choice. Awesome, cool. So number three, I think you had Django channels. That's uh, relatively Django new, channels. right? That's relatively new. Uh, true. Not well, well. Now Django provides uh, asynchronous uh, functionality. What's uh, as we SEA and Django um, uh, channels providing with additional functionality that stems uh, Django async capabilities. Uh, so it's very easy to implement things like web sockets uh, to subscribe to channels and then send uh, information real time. Um, and um, you can use Redis as a channel layer uh, to exchange messages. So I I also recommend uh, Redis with Django, uh, not only for catching, but as well 
to uh, use all the functionality that Redis provides with uh, specific field types that are very, very useful uh -huh. for development. Plus, uh, as well, you could use it as um, the channel layer exchange messages with no channels. Mm. Yeah, that's good to know because uh, uh, we were following your book uh, with a client and setting up uh, chat. And we, we definitely needed Redis, and I think you also need Daphne for deployment then, right? Yeah, Daphne helps with, uh, yeah, it's the SGSCI right. server. Um, 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 yeah, you will need any kind of SCI server. Yeah. So yeah, channels is cool in chat, but it does involve a bit more of the tooling around it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Four, celery. Four, celery, celery, celery is a must. Extra veggies. Extra <laughs> veggies. <laughs> I think Celery is a must as well in uh, any Django uh, application because as soon as you want to send an email to a client or and an, an you don't want to uh, stop the view uh, execution because of that, right? Or any other asynchronous tasks that you, you want to execute, then um, you need to use Celery as uh, very soon. Uh, and um, you can either use it with uh, Q backends like uh, RabbitMQ or Redis, <laughs> and uh, it's really cool because you can also implement redive policies for failed tasks uh, very easily. And uh, there's this other package called Flower to monitor Redis. That's uh, sorry, red, uh, Celery tasks. That's also very useful uh, to see what's happening uh, behind the scenes. And um, you can also schedule uh, tasks with uh, Celery bit. So it's really, really useful. Right. Only for asynchronous tasks, but also to schedule tasks uh, that have to be executed in a recurrent. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And, and inevitably, with Django, you, you hit a view that's going to be slow because it's some work, and then you pushing it to a background task is a super cool technology. Exactly. For example, uh, many people use uh, Django signals to implement their logic uh, when you say uh, something has to happen whenever something else happens, right? And, and, and then you get this event-driven functionality. But, but Signals. Many people mistakenly think that signals are performant. No, it's not a synchronous. Uh, it's, it's it's synchronous, basically the execution of Django signals. So if you have to use Django signals to um, do anything asynchronously, then you need to um, create a, a synchronous task with Celery and then uh, run your task uh, with Blake on uh, your signal uh, recycle. Cool. So. Yeah. It's really useful for those. Yeah, we, we use it for Ironscribe, right? When we're transcribing a video, that takes some time. So we push it on the task queue, and then, uh, you know, you get an email and it's done. Exactly. It's, it's, it's super useful. You're going to run into it with Django. Yeah, with bigger projects. Yeah. Right. Five. Django, Five. Uh, uh, Django extensions. Django extensions uh, has, has been out there for many, many years already. And, and I initially used it to uh, graph models uh, with graph. There's a, a specific command to create a graph of your own uh, or all of your models it's oh. very useful when you have an application with a lot of different apps and models and um it's a good way to keep uh, your documentation updated about the models that you are using etc so it's um a really useful tool to just create um <clears throat> graph of all your models uh with just one command mm -hmm. And then uh, you get as well things like uh, Run Server Plus, uh, which allows you to uh, run the Django development server with an HTTP uh, an SSL uh, certificate that's automatically generated. So um, you get to access your Django development server through HTTPS, which oh, you may need okay. sometimes for, like, for example, 
if you are implementing things like social authentication, uh, ah, okay. certain yeah, certain platforms might need an uh, HTTPS URL for the callback or anything like that. So then uh, you can test your uh, local deployment with uh, HTTPS. Of course, uh, you shouldn't never use transfer for your production environment. Right, right. <laughs> but it's a good functionality uh, to have as well. Yeah, was there also the plugin that comes with Shell Plus? Um, so that, that you have a more robust um, Django shell? Yeah, true. Yeah, no, it's very useful as well. You know? Okay, cool. So uh, six, Django all off, social off. Number six, yeah, uh, we have, well, for number six, I have two, uh, two options. One is Django all out, the other one is social out. Uh, both give you social authentication backends uh, with all two. And, uh, yeah, very useful if you want to implement social authentication in your, in your platform. And, um, yeah, uh, both, uh, I've been using one or the other one, uh, depending. But uh, both are very useful to implement social integration with Google, Twitter, any any kind of OAuth service. Uh, yeah, because even even without the social uh, platforms, uh, getting the the login and sign up to work. I mean, it's all uh, provided by Django Vendors included. But sometimes it's still it's not obvious how to wire it up. And with all outs, I find it easier to get them all out of the way. Also, like the 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 flow of. Um, you know, um, sign up with an email confirmation, right? Mm -hmm. That's not something you want to typically build on scratch. Exactly, and all right? else gives you that as well. Yeah, very easily. super yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Then uh, number seven, seven is uh, Django import export. Uh, I've been using it for a while. Um, previously, I always built my, well, I used my own tool for importing and exporting uh, information into Django. Um, uh, models. Um, it's well. It's actually a very good exercise to try to build your own uh, data exporter, for example, for the Django administration side, uh, because then you can uh, you can uh, dig into how models are built dynamically and how to access all the model fields, etc., and, and build a tool that's actually flexible uh -huh. and, and uh, not for a specific model, right? But rather than flexible. Um, but the, um, yeah, so if you want to build your own, you can do it. Uh, if, uh, you need a quick tool to import or export data, uh, in bulk, uh, then Django import export is super useful. And, uh, you get also the actions for the Django admin side. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, re it really helps, uh, social standard that you could use in almost all your projects whenever you have users that need to export data, import data. Right. That's good to know because I usually use or Django commands or Django fixtures. So, you know, generating JSON files and importing them. Uh, but then the, this plugin gives you more like the UI around it. It's integrated in the admin, right? So exactly. So, you, yeah, you, you, so you get both um, um, yeah, methods that you can use, uh, but you can also uh, integrate into the admin side. And, um, and I find it very useful for uh, admin users. They, very easily, they start asking for uh, how can I export this to Excel or to a CSV file. Uh, so you could also use it as standard for all your uh, Django admin models uh, and provides default export uh, functionalities or import functionalities in all of your admin models uh, in the in, yeah, in the admins. Very useful. Yeah. All right. Number eight. Super Number eight is Sentry. Sentry is a tool, a tool I love. Uh, it 
provides you with error monitoring, uh, very useful for production environments, um, very easy to set up. And uh, you have essentially both as an open source tool and uh, they also have some kind of free hosted service in the cloud. And uh, yeah, the integration is really, really simple and you get all the information you need for uh, all the errors. So you get the trace back, you get uh, all the context in each of the steps, uh, all the context variables, all the information, the user that's good, good that was doing the request, all of that. Plus you can as well um, hide certain information uh, from from those, the, the, from that error tracking, etc. So it's really, really useful. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So because as much as we test and, and stuff, there will always be edge cases. And yeah. uh, in production, as the debug is not turned through, uh, the user gets a blank 500 page, right? And exactly, and, and, and you, you have, get an email. <laughs> exactly, and you get an email, and and sometimes you 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 wonder, yeah, what what the problem is, and you don't have the proper information, so you need to try to replicate the issue. So it's really useful to start with yeah, the complete from the very stack trace. Uh, yeah. And then the plugin side of it here is that it takes two lines of code to, to yeah, get basically, Django. Right? Basically. Yeah. yeah. And then you can play as well with um, providing the version century every time you deploy a new version. So, so you can also know exactly which version uh, that you deployed has this uh, error, etc. So gotcha. Cool. All right, two more. Nine. Okay, we have also uh, <laughs> easy thumbnails and uh, image kit. Those those two are very useful to generate thumbnails automatically uh, for image fields and to um, edit images uh, automatically. A really useful tool to do the thumbnailing uh, in an automated manner, an efficient manner, and then uh, you don't really need to worry about uh, that anymore as soon as you add to your project, right? Because then um, first time the image uh, thumbnail is requested, uh, it gets generated, second time it's already there, so it's, uh, yeah. it's already served. And um, a really useful tool because uh, you don't want to spend uh, a lot of time building your own dynamic functionality in order to generate the images, then remove the images uh, when they when they have to be removed, etc. So it's really, really useful for for inside using images that have been uploaded by users, etc. Yeah, no, and, and and often you just don't know that that's out there because I would be very tempted to pip install pillow, start to write my own function. Exactly. Actually, no, there's the plugin, I saw it in your book and, and like, wow, that's smart. Like it's uh, just pip install and one line of code and does it does a perfect job right it's really so, uh, really 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 useful. reinventing the wheel yeah awesome yeah. all right and then number 10 and number 10 also it's django partner uh, django partner allows you to translate your models and uh it's really useful because you can define translatable fields uh, and then it provides you also with the um uh, orm uh, query sets functionality and um, where you can perform query sets by, based on the current active language or uh, filter by a specific language, etc. So it's uh, very useful when you have to store information in multiple um, languages. And it provides you with yeah, all the tools to generate the uh, associated models in order to store uh, the different fields um, in different languages. So really, really useful when you have to uh, work with uh, internationalization, localization, etc. Right. Yeah, I've not used it, but um, definitely had one or two clients that I want to have the models in various languages, and it's very tempting to then 
uh, books and then books underscore yes and books underscore it right and make like duplicated models yeah. but then it's not dry right so again have the plugin take care of it and and exactly just and, focus and on then, the english models basically exactly right? and then when you retrieve information and you render it in your templates by default you get it automatically in the language that is currently active for the user so it's very useful and it's a lot of time uh rather than building it uh, yourself um and as well you get the full admin uh, functionality so you get multiple tabs to edit the the model in the different languages and you can play with certain fields that are not translatable plus all the fields that are translatable and mm -hmm. it gives a lot of um flexibility yeah cool so i got two questions and we didn't prepare it so okay. i got to put you on the spot but uh so these you know you have dependency hell right with, with pinning those plugins do you pin them or or do you leave them open for upgrades how do you manage them so i i usually pin them uh, -huh. uh yeah i would say most 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 of the time i usually i usually get them. yeah okay yeah. Just to make sure that they're not a compatibility uh, issue with other plugins, right? As exactly. Or requirements. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just to make sure uh, that I'm with requirements. And uh, then, yeah, well, eventually I upgrade and et cetera. Yeah. Okay. And the other question just occurred to me, right? So uh, maybe it's a dumb question, but uh, is there like plugins? I mean, they're great, not reinventing the wheel, but sometimes, you know, the maintainability of it. Is there also a case in Django, one example? Where you don't use a plugin, plugin, you said like I definitely going to write them. Uh, so it depends a bit on, uh, like for example, if there's something that will be very core to what you are building, right? And then sometimes it's a plugin for that, but you maybe don't need as much flexibility or as much functionality that the, as the plugin provides. Uh, but you need uh, the query sets to be more performant or anything like that. Mm. I'm thinking, for example, about an event system. There, there was a time I built an event system myself because I, unlike uh, this, the options that I had uh, were not as performant as uh, what I needed. And on the other hand, uh, it would be very um, core to my, my application, right? So in that case, I built it myself. But of course, many times you have to think about, uh, yeah, can I can I just start using a plugin and uh, I start with that, and then eventually I might build my own um, functionality uh, if, if I need, or um, or if you have to build on your own directly. I would say most most cases you can start with a plugin. Maybe you can always use the plugin forever and only if uh, you need to add more functionality or make it more performant for a specific scenarios etc then uh, build on your own yeah no, that's a great point so get it working first and fast and then you exactly. can always later swap it out Take another and, decision something. And, something. and one consideration then is the performance right when you need to go almost like a python and, and uh, c plugins Extent, yeah, right? exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, because in the end, uh, well, the plugin, uh, you know, uh, in the end, um, you need to cover a lot of different use cases. Uh, so basically, um, the plugin starts getting bigger many times uh, in order to cover these different use cases requested by users, etc. And it's true that at some point it gives a lot of flexibility, uh, but on the other hand, it might not cover. Um, very well your specific use case or uh, it might not be as performant as you would like you would like to be or 
But it's a decision that you wouldn't take at the very beginning. At the very beginning, you just yeah. start with any uh, plugin that gives you functionality or only build it on your own if it's really something simple yeah. and you can build fast. And, uh, yeah, you usually don't have to worry if uh, your SaaS app only has one user. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and there's not first get it uh, deployed. There's not much to think about. Yeah, cool. No, this is uh, super helpful. Thanks for sharing. And um, anything I left out or you want to add to this? or uh... No, I think I hope, uh, well, uh, this list was useful for, uh, and you hopefully uh, someone might get know another plugin that they didn't knew about. So... Yeah, how much useful for all, all viewers. I definitely learned uh, a couple of new things. So uh, thanks. Yeah. Lastly, uh, you want to share a book? Are you reading? Yeah. So I'm uh, reading Natch uh, by Richard Thaler and Cass Sustain. Um, and it's about Natch theory. Uh, they won a Nobel Prize, I think, with, with uh, this theory, uh, where you help people take better decisions, uh -huh. but not enforcing those decisions to them, but uh, allowing them uh, to maintain individual freedom and, uh, and uh, individual uh, choice, um, so they feel in control of their decisions. So it's very interesting because uh, it says things like, uh, when you want people to eat healthier, you don't have to just uh, prohibit a certain type of food, but uh, you might encourage uh, better food and uh, and still let the people take their own decision. Right. Uh, I right. want I want to eat this, I want to eat that, and it's really interesting because it uh, it provides you with these tools to improve the decisions individuals take uh -huh. uh, while maintaining individual freedom. Right? Yeah, so yeah. Really cool. I, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's was that based on uh, Kahneman's work? Yeah. Daniel no, Kahneman. Yeah. Kahneman. Yeah. Uh, psychology read. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think that's it. Um, thanks for hopping on again. Thank you very much, Bob, for uh, having yeah, me here. Again. Again. Thank you. And, uh, Thanks for all. You're all. Thanks for everything you do for the Django community and uh, you know teaching so many people. Thank work. you. Well, it's uh, uh, tremendously valuable. And uh, yeah, it was great uh, being here today, physically. <laughs> yeah, like like also I think a shout out, right? Like um, or maybe a last piece of advice, like go go to meetups, go go hang out. Exactly. Go meet the community. Uh, the conversations are deeper. You say, when you you sit down, you slow down, right? There's just, there's more depth. It's right? really, and, uh, uh, it's really, really, really nice. So yeah, it's really yeah. Nice, as much as you can. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back in the next episode. Thanks for uh, listening and watching. And uh, the beach. thank you very much. There it is. There we are. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To hear more from us, go to pybyte slash friends. That is pybit.es slash friends and receive a free gift just for being a friend of the show. And to join our thriving Slack community of Python programmers, go to pybytes slash community. That's pybit.es forward slash community. We hope to see you there and catch you in the next episode.